Hi, my name is Rick Bloodworth. This is the Common Sense Christian Channel, and today we're going to be looking at the last part of The Richest Man in Babylon. This is actually going to be a two-part lesson, but these two lessons from this book by George S. Clayson, I believe, contain some of the most important financial strategies that I've ever come across. I've mentioned before I have my undergraduate degree in business. That took four years to get through, another two years for a master's degree in finance and economics. I've read hundreds of different books and articles on financial things, and I haven't come across anything that's better. It's practical advice, and it's written in such a way that I believe just about anybody can follow it and will want to read and, and get through it. So if you have a chance to buy this book, The Richest Man in Babylon, I'd encourage you to do so. It's still in print. You can get it just about anywhere. And it's something you'll really enjoy. But today we're going to be looking at Dabasir, the camel trader, and a young friend of his by the name of Tarkad. Well, Tarkad owes Dabasir money, and so Tarkad's walking along, and he sees Dabasir, but he sees him too late, because he definitely doesn't want to talk to him. But Dabasir's already spied him out, and so he hails him over. He says, Tarkad, well met. You're just the guy I wanted to see. I could sure use those two coppers that you borrowed from me last moon, and I could even better use the silver that you borrowed from me two moons ago. Well, Tarkat apologized, and he said, I wish I could pay you back, but I just can't. I don't have any money. And so Dabasir said, well, get some. And Tarkat said, I can't. I can't borrow from anybody. And I've fallen on such misfortune that there's just no way to repay you right now. And so Dabasir looked at him in a knowing way, and he said this, Tarkad, do you believe that a man can see the world in a different color than it really is? Well, Tarkad didn't know what he was talking about, and so he said, I don't know. And so Dabasir said, I just met a merchant who came back from a faraway land who was able to look through a piece of glass that a rich man had had uh, shown him. It was cut from, from a stone so fine and so thin that you could actually see through it. And the man had put it up in his house. You could look through it, according to that merchant. He had seen it for, with his own eyes. But he said, looking through that glass, everything was different. It looked yellowish and distorted. It was a color different than the world really was. And so Dabasir then said, I'm going to tell you a story about a time when I saw the world in a different color than it really is, and maybe it will help you for your situation. Dabasir started off by saying, did you know I used to be a slave in Syria? Well, Tarkad had no idea about that. He said, no, I didn't. And, and Tarkad smiled at him and said, it's true. I grew up in Babylon with an excellent mother and father. My father was an honorable man, a saddle maker, and he was training me in this business. When I was a young man, I married a beautiful woman and worked out of the shop of my father. But he said, my wife and I had tastes that were more expensive than we could afford. There were merchants in town, however, that were willing to go ahead and allow us to have their merchandise without paying for it in advance, just as long as we promised to pay for it later. Well, we readily accepted that. We were so young and inexperienced that we did not realize at the time 
that those who buy things they cannot afford are sowing the seeds of their own destruction. Well, after a while, the merchants would no longer allow them to buy without paying, and so they also began demanding repayment for what they had already purchased. And so Dabasir and his wife began to borrow money from their friends, but after a while, the friends didn't want to lend him anymore. It came to the point where it was so bad that Dabasir's wife had to return to her father's house. Even though she still loved him, he just couldn't afford to keep her. And, and so she went back to her father's house, and Dabasir left Babylon in hopes to escape his debtors and also maybe to find a way to make some money to where he could come back and pay everybody back. And so he went to work for a caravan, and he did this for two years, but... The pay was very small. He said he made only enough money to be able to pay for his living expenses, just just food and, and some clothing, but not enough to send back to take care of his wife and certainly not enough to pay off his creditors. Well, he fell into a group of likable rogues who came up with a plan to make money a little bit quicker than they had had been. Instead of working for a caravan, they came upon the idea to rob caravans. Well, even though Dabasir knew that this was no job or no no thing for for a man of an honorable father, he was see, he was looking at the world through a lens of a different color. And he went along with these young men. The first caravan they robbed was a rich caravan. They ended up with gold and silk, but they immediately went into town and spent it all because money that is dishonestly and quickly gained is just as quickly lost. And so they went out and robbed another caravan. This time, however, they got caught. The two leaders of the robbers were put to death, and the rest of the robbers were sold into slavery in Syria. Dabasir himself had his head shorn and was, was stripped of all of his clothing and put into a loincloth. And he said, at first, it was something of an adventure. I was still a young man, and here I was as a slave in Syria. But he said the seriousness of the matter came to him very quickly when his master took him before his four wives and said that they could have him as a eunuch if they wanted him. Well, the four wives looked at him, and Dabasir just stood there nervously, waiting for his fate to be sealed. The older wife, Sarah, didn't say anything. The, the next wife was a contemptuous beauty, he said, who looked at him like he was just a worm of the ground. And then the two youngest ones just kind of giggled among themselves. Finally, it came back to the older wife, Syra, and she said this, We've got eunuchs enough, but of all of our slaves, we have none that know how to properly tend to a camel. She said, This very day, my mother is sick in a town nearly a day's journey away, and I can't even get there because I don't have anyone who is capable of tending to and leading a camel there. And so the master looked at Dabasir and said, well, what about it? Can you take care of camels? Well, Dabasir was beside himself because this was exactly what he was trained to do. So he very quickly said, I can make a camel kneel. I can lead them on a long journey without getting too tired. I can even repair their trappings should that become necessary. So they decided they'd give him a chance at that. And that very day, Dabasir led Syrah, his 
master's wife and her maid on the trip to her mother's house. And on the way, Dabasir thanked Syrah, and he confided in her. He said, you know, I'm not really a slave. I'm, I'm the son of a saddle maker from Babylon. I just came upon hard times. And then he explained how he had gotten there. And Cyrus said this, If you have the heart of a slave, even if you're a free man, you'll eventually become a slave. And if you have the heart of a free man, though you be a slave, you'll eventually become a free man. Just as water seeks its level, so too does does man find the spot to which he's suited for. Well, Dabasir thought about that. They went back from, from the mother's house after they got finished there, and he stayed there in Syria for a year. Syrah noticed that he never really got out and associated with the other slaves, and so she asked him about it one time, and he said, well, I've been thinking about what you've said. Do I have the heart of a free man, or do I have the heart of a slave? And since I don't feel that I have the heart of a slave, I have to sit apart from the slaves. And so Cyrus said, well, what are you going to do about it? And then she left. A couple of days later, Cyrus' maid came to Dabasir, and she said, my mistress has asked that you select the two best camels from the herd, that you get water and food for a long journey and that you come and meet us. And so he did that, wondering all along why he was getting so many provisions for a journey to his mistress's mother's house that was less than a day's journey away. Well, regardless of that, they went on on the trip, and when they got there, Syrah told the maid to go and and take care of some other things, and then she turned and faced Abasir and said this, Have you decided if you have the heart of a free man or a slave? And he said, a free man. And she said, this is your chance to prove it. Your master is back home drunk with his chieftains. They won't know you're gone for a few days. Take the camels, take the provisions, and flee back to Babylon. I'll tell them that you stole the camels and got away. And here she said, is a bag of your master's clothing so you can disguise yourself. Well, Dabasir was so grateful, and he asked if there's any way he could repay her, and she indicated there really wasn't, just go. And so he went, and he went fast. He took off on that trip. Uh, They went all night and all the next day before he stopped, and then he kept on like this for nine days, deep into the desert, where there was nothing but sharp, rocks and sand as far as the eye could see well by that ninth day he and his camels had pretty well had it they'd been out of food for a couple of days been out of water for a day at the end of that day Dabasir's tongue was just swollen from thirst in his mouth his lips were just cracked and dry he could hardly even talk And when he slid off his camel that night and got his camels to kneel down, he just fell asleep on the desert floor. The next morning, he said he woke up and there was a coolness in the desert that hadn't been there before. And as he lay there, he said he, for the first time in a long time, began to see things clearly. He said it was if A colored glass had been taken from my eyes, and now I could see the world as it really was. It was my own weakness that had led me to the events that caused me to become a slave in Syria. 
And he said as he lay there, he was thinking about just giving up, and he thought further, if that's what a slave would do. Do I have the heart of a slave? If so, I'll just die here a death that's fitting of a slave that steals from his master and runs away. But he said he thought he had a heart of a free man, and so he got up. With this determination, he said, what matters hunger? What matters thirst? These are but events on the road to Babylon. Well, he was able to get the camels up. They were able to journey through that day, and they finally came across enough water for both he and his camels to get a drink, finally. The next day, they traveled again, and they found some food for the camels, and then some for Dabasir, and more water. And as they traveled along, the the way got better. They finally found a trail that led to the road that led to Babylon. And it was at that point that Dabasir was determined that he would do something about the way that he had been living his life. He was going to go back into the town. He was going to talk with his creditors and negotiate with them a way to repay them. He was going to go to his wife's father's house and retrieve her and be, be start living with her in a proper way in the way that she should be taken care of. And so that was the end of that story of Dabasir. The next part, I believe, is the very best lesson from this entire series. But to close this short lesson today, I want to say this. There are times in all of our lives, or most of our lives, where we find ourselves so buried with our financial difficulties that it feels like we're going to smother And there are times when we just can't see a way out, and we might even be tempted to run away from our problems to start over again. Some people attempt to run away from their problems by committing suicide, something that makes no sense at all, does it? But that's how desperate people can become when they get in over their head. I think we all have times in our life where we see things that we would like. We have tastes that are more expensive than our income can provide, and so we buy things on credit. And at first that works out pretty good for a while, but then there comes a point where we can't even pay the interest on our bills and we can't borrow anymore, and we start to panic. Doesn't it make a whole lot more sense to just sit down and figure out at the beginning what you can afford, and to live within your means so that you never come to that point where you become indebted or or enslaved to your own debt. Because just as surely as Dabasir became a slave in Syria, millions of people become slaves to their debt in their own towns, and they don't see a way out. Well, there are ways out, and we're going to talk about what I have discovered to be the very best way of any financial strategy I've come across. And we're going to talk about that in the next part. But for right now, I appreciate your your tuning in and listening. Be sure and look at part two of this lesson today, and you'll find the end of this story and of the strategy that can help any person make an honest man or an honest woman of themselves one who can take care of their debts and live a life that they have always lived, they can live, dreamed that they can live. Appreciate your tuning in. We'll see you next time.